Here we go. Stinko Tedarenko via his cell phone in his truck right now. Uh, Tick Taylor in the, the Viscount Gort Hotel in Winnipeg. Stinko Tedarenko, draft pick 3,000. How are you? I'm doing really good. Really good. It's, uh, it's late on a Friday, so uh, caught me, I guess you could say, done work for the week. I'm just driving back to back to the mothership. Oh, done work. You're showing off. Okay, I got to tell you, uh, I'm almost workless. I, I've got a couple clubs left. I'm doing the club in Winnipeg. I'm doing the club in Winnipeg. Uh, th- twice, yeah. I'm doing the club in Winnipeg, then the club in Edmonton, then Calgary. And then my slate is clear. And here's the thing, buddy. I was like, well, at least I got that radio side job. I was let go at the radio. COVID cutbacks. That's uh, a... <laughs> Just that's silence. That's a tough sandwich to bite in. <laughs> no, it's like, that's a tough sandwich to bite into because radio, isn't that the most social distancing job that you can have? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's... um. It's a COVID thing, so their advertising isn't there. So it was, it was weird. Like I knew uh, something was a little bit up because there's things in radio called a sound check where you go do the sound check. We do it on Tuesdays, and I had the rest of the week off. I had the family in the parking lot, canoes on. We're heading up north. We're going on a canoe trip, and I come out, uh, me and Lou, and then they're like, and he's uh, okay, quick meeting, and then Lou's like, oh, actually Kelly's gonna get going. He's like, and the guy's like, oh, it'll, it'll be real quick. It'll be like five minutes. And I was like, okay. So we start walking. He's like, oh, actually, I just need Kelly. And I was like, hmm, just Kelly. That's weird. So then I go in to go to his office, and he's like, no, not in here. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe the conference room because uh, you know social distancing. And then we walk past the conference room, and then we go to the boss's office. I was like, uh oh, this <laughs> this isn't good. And we go in there, and it, the, just the times it is, he hasn't got a laptop, and he turns around the laptop, and then the head boss is there in Kelowna. I was like, oh, I think I'm getting let go. Uh, but it was weird. So I, I, I'm getting let go with COVID cutbacks. It, it was a great company. I loved working there. Uh, at the beginning, I was scared to take a radio job because I had to go to bed early, get up early. So kind of. It kind of took away my night. So as soon as they, I knew I was getting let go in my mind, I was like, oh, right on. I can watch all the hockey playoffs because that's good. I won't have to go to bed early. But then I was like, oh, my God, I, I have no work after this. And I was like, oh, benefits are gone. And then I was like going to joke around, too, because I'm getting, you know, let go via the computer. I was like, oh, Carl, you're breaking up. I can't read that. I can't, I can't hear you, bud. Sorry, I got to go on my Kappa trip. I'll talk to you next week. Just Costanza my way out of there and just keep showing up to work. Oh. oh man, that's a tough pill to swallow. And for all those people that have lost lost their jobs during COVID, uh, yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, so I've lost all my state. But if all my stand up work was gone and they let me go, like a radio was having a uh, shortage there, that'd have been like the perfect storm because I, I would have never quit the job because I liked it. It was it was nice and easy. You know, six to ten, you're out. You got the whole rest of the day, and it, it was. The guy I worked with was easy to work with, great guy to work with, and I loved it. But I was like, oh, I could never quit it because I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm getting rid of my benefits. Why would I do that? So then I was like, oh, I was like, oh you know, a little bit of off my shoulders. But then I was coming back. I was like, I'm not making, I'm not making any money. This 24 bards is going to have to go a long way each week, I'll tell you that. <laughs> what jobs you'll be you- drinking? <laughs> you'll be drinking bards like Mike Mazeska drank beer back in the day through a, through a thimble. <laughs> Oh, the 100 Century Club where he's got the thimble. What jobs have you had since you just went and played pro hockey? Like, did you have – what other side jobs did you have pre-NHL? Uh, well, well, this was – yeah, this was back in the day where, you know, when you were like 14, 15, everybody just had a job no matter what. didn't matter if you were playing in the WHL. didn't matter where you're doing. So my first job was actually I worked in an auto body shop, PA Auto Body, sweeping floors, sanding cars, you know, just kind of doing all the grunt work just anything to pass your time and get a little change for for the rest of the summer hey i got a funny pa auto body story um because you say pa auto body so uh the owner we know the owner there uh doug and a buddy buddy, brown great great guy a buddy of ours scott murkowski was getting something done to his jetta and i'm going with scott to get this uh pick up his jetta and he goes in and and he goes to the front desk and, you know, hey, where's the keys? Keys are in the visor. And Doug says it like laughing. And then Scott's kind of like smiling and that. And I was like, what, what's, what's so funny about keys being on the visor? And we go into his car and Scott pulls his visor down. Scott had took this. There's this one picture. <laughs> I think we're nine, 18 or 19. And Thompson passes out on a couch. So 
I, I, I hide everything, but I'm sitting beside him naked, but I, I like I'm hiding everything. So but it's still creepily picture. So just because he's passed <laughs> on the couch and Murkowski had kept the picture forever, would keep it on his visor. So then I go in there and I just his keys come down. Then this picture falls on me buck naked sitting beside Thompson on the couch. I was like, huh? OK, well, uh, Doug saw that, I guess. <laughs> I, I think. Doug probably appreciated it because he knew our group, so he uh, he wasn't expecting anything less. I don't think <laughs> the old uh, naked pitcher on the couch. What other what other jobs did you have besides the uh, the auto body? Um, I was I jackhammered at the mill shutdown one summer for ten hours a day with a ninety pound jackhammer. Um, almost got into a fight at the mill while jackhammering. What? Well, how did you uh, get in a fight at the mill? <laughs> Uh, well, some, I was, I had a, a wheelbarrow full of, uh, full of concrete and I almost tipped it over in front of one of these older, older union guys. And he goes to me, Hey, you got a license for that thing? And I put the wheelbarrow down. I said, yeah, it's right here. And I pulled the finger out of my pocket and I gave him the bird <laughs> and then I kept walking. <laughs> I don't think he liked that very much. So. Yeah, I almost got tuned by an old man at the mill while working there. So, wow, I uh, I don't know how tough that old man was, but I'm sure you could have <laughs> took him. Actually, it was Jeff Bazook. He was that Taekwondo guy. Oh God, you might have got beat up. Actually, take it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, his face turned bright red, and I think his eyes rolled back in his head. He was so surprised that I said something like that to him that I just kept walking. He was so stunned. Oh, oh man, that's great. This one, and this is the pre. I don't know if we're going to put this to uh, Brian Munns or to uh, Darren Kimball, so I don't even actually know which one we're going to put this to. Uh, I'm going to record with both those guys. Golfed with Munns yesterday. And Munns, this is the thing. Like I said, I want our our podcast to have everything. Brian Munns, for people who don't know him, uh, this guy is the workhorse of calling hockey. This guy... He he started in the SJ and like did like five different teams. He called 110 games one year. 110 games. Wow. And then he went to the Prince Albert Raiders, did them, and then now he is uh, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets. So he should have he should have a lot of uh, great stories. He's the Kelly Taylor of hockey, just grinding it out on the prairies. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. And then after this uh, little pre-thing, Mike Keene, the uh, three-time Stanley Cup champ, he was at my show last night in Winnipeg, and then he throws out the, like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, uh, nothing. He said, come over to the pool. So I, I take everyone up on everything they said. So I will be going to Mike Keene's pool immediately after this and cannonballing. I know I know your, your workload is kind of getting thin, but I don't think it's the money that you're going to miss so much. It's all these benefits, golf and <laughs> pools and, and, you know, with all these awesome people you know were you guys wearing uh player gear yesterday at least yes we were buddy come on tick with a side tick and tats 20 get your 20 percent off and uh munzi was saying too he's starting to see it float into manitoba and you see it all over my boys at the lobstick and it's all over the place player golf well, is the, uh, over. i don't know how the, I, don't, I don't know how the code is doing but there's a lot of kids and a lot of guys out in ontario that are wearing some player gear out on the on the links out there too so Thank you guys for all your support. Thank you, Player Gear, for the awesome threads. Yeah, because uh, it's great stuff. I think he's partnering up with uh, Barnaby's golf tournament too. So, uh, and we got to get that guy on on here too soon enough. The thing is with him, I want you to be on that one. So I want to get that one recorded when we are in Calgary together because that guy's got some hilarious stories. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm I don't in a group know. I don't text. know. I don't know if he would remember, but it was my rookie season, and he was in New York, and uh, I get sent out just regular line shift and he lines up beside me and he said, all right, Tedarenko, let's go right now. And I was waiting for the puck to drop, puck drop. I almost put my gloves through the ice. I wanted to fight him so bad. And he just skated away and started laughing. I was picking up my gloves as the play was, I was picking up my gloves as the play was going on. <laughs> That's hilarious. We were just in the group text oh. and guys were, and then they start showing like old videos and like, Barney, remember when you, when you were fake hurt and Gar Snow gave you that little tap and then you just went bananas and we started watching. Like, yeah, it goes oh, what a, oh, he was so good at all that. And Brad May oh, messaged me so too. We're going to get May Day on this uh, pod here right away too. Oh man, we have to take a road trip back to Toronto if May Day still does that, uh, that uh, celebrity charity thing at that hotel. That was fun, too. That was a real good time. That was free booze, right? 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, either way, we wa- then we walked out on a we walked out on a massive tab. That's what he's calling about. <laughs> hey, bud, you got that tab still over here? I'll uh, got to take care of that. Every time I talk to my commodore, I said, "Hey, I think we still use some rent from 2002." He's like, "Are you still fucking bringing that up?" He goes, "I think he's good for it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I got to get going to Keener's uh, pool party, so we're gonna keep this short and sweet. And I don't know who we're gonna add this on to. If it's gonna be uh, Muns or Kimball. Or uh, I've, I've actually got a bunch of comics on Sunday. We're going to get together and tell horrific road stories, too. So the, this would be the pre to either a horrific road stories, a Munns, or a Kimball. Uh, Stinko, what do you got on this weekend? Because it's Friday right now. It's Friday. I'm on my way back to, uh, like I said, on my way back home. Uh, I've got some family coming in. Um, you know, I was always so excited to come out uh, west so we could be closer to family, but they won't fucking leave now, so I don't know. I might, uh... You're heading back <laughs> east? Yeah. Oh, you're going back to Toronto? No, I'm actually, I'm moving to Spain. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, look at that. In true Winnipeg fashion, I can hear nothing but police cars right now. Can you hear that in the background? Oh, they're, have, they're having another parade there. They have a lot of parades downtown in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, they do. Okay, buddy. Uh, I hopefully uh, Munz has got a shit your pants story too. It seems like Darren Kimball will have one for sure, or all these comics should. But we're gonna keep this short and sweet because I'm sure these other ones are gonna go long. But you have a good weekend, and thank you to everyone listening. I was at Tanner Burns uh, Rodeo on uh, last week, and a, a, like a bunch of people coming up. It's like I don't even do stand up anymore. Like, hey man, when's the new uh, when's the new episodes coming? When's the new episodes coming? I was like. That gets me all pumped up because, like, oh, my God, I love how people are waiting and listening because we've took a little break here. So this is what I'm going to fire out. We're going to fire out about three or four because I've been up north yeah. in the bush. So I get that a lot as well. I get texts. When's a new episode? Hey, I saw I listened to your last episode. Is that the last one? Yeah, we're going to start getting uh, now that you're not so busy. <laughs> Since I'm super unemployed, we should be able to fire these things out uh, a lot more. So we're going to put out four in a week to get people caught up. Well, we wanted people to get caught up on episodes, and then we'll do four this week, and then uh, we're going to make sure we... I want to get it, like, every Monday, so we're just like this, but schedules get all crazy in that, but so... Uh, and just imagine, just imagine when the golf course is closed for the winter, we'll be pumping about 20 a week. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because I do... We do put these off to go golfing instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's either, hey, are you ready to record? No, I'm teeing off. you ready to record? No, I'm teeing off. Uh, that's very true. Yeah. Okay, bud, have a good weekend, and thanks to all the listeners, and uh, make sure you're drinking Bard beer. Get that in you. Get your player gear. Get in your Canadian club India, and uh, that's, oh. it. That, that's it, bud. You have a good weekend, and then we will reconnect for the next episode. Stay safe and stay happy. There you go. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, buddy. And uh, next coming up, we either have, I don't know, will it be Darren Kimball? Will it be Brian Munns? Will it be Drunken Comic Stories? Will it be a, a comedy club manager with comedy stories? I don't know. That's how we roll. And thank you for listening to Tick with a Side of Tits. Boom. Yes, and I am recording here at the Viscount Gort Hotel on Portage. And I got my man, uh, my guest today, is the Winnipeg Jets play-by-play. Uh, but before we get to the Winnipeg part, this guy started the w- busiest work schedule I've ever heard of anyone in uh, play-by-play. He went from the SJ to the WHL to Winnipeg, or he went to Edmonton, but just wait, I'm going to welcome here. Welcome Brian Munns to Tick with a Side of Tets. How are you, Mr. Taylor? Good, Munzi. Good to see you. And I always, I always try to say to my guests uh, where we would have met, but I can't, I can't pinpoint exactly because you, well, you did the uh, play-by-play for PA, but I'm trying to think of where we would have actually officially met. I would assume it was either in Boston Pizza or the South Hill Inn <laughs> after a Raider game at some point during my time in PA. But yeah, the first initial with you, I don't know, like. Before you were big and famous, I would have said it was probably sometime around there. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, now we've done a few things together. We did the well, we the humble, the humble one. We did uh, five hundred mutual friends, yeah. like really. So, <laughs> that's true. If you're around Saskatchewan, you pretty much know each other, and then all of a sudden, then then away you go. But yeah, you were kind enough to come do the humble Broncos Memorial Golf Tournament that Jared Bednar and I host each summer last year, and. 
Uh, obviously, we've seen your show here in Winnipeg a few times. I think we've crossed paths a few times when we've both been on the road in different locations. So it's always good to catch up. Lots of fun. And maybe our best time was uh, a few days ago playing the Southwood Golf Club here. That's uh, that's true. That's true, man. And man, do you are you the most consistent? Do you ever uh, not hit the fairway with your driver? Man, uh, you're consistent. Yeah, yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, yesterday wasn't very good, but we can talk about the back-to-back birdies at any point during this <laughs> yeah. uh, visit here. So. Oh, that is all good. That's true. Brian Munns had three birdies on the back nine with a back-to-back birdie. Man, was on a on a heater on the back, and we had a great twosome. We joined up with. <laughs> <laughs> we joined up with a, a dad about uh, sixty-five and his forty-year-old whiny son, which is fantastic. He is a guy that you could have done a bit on. And you probably can now, just him by himself. So, quick Cole's Notes story. This guy says to us on the first, he haven't played all year. First time picking a club. And he did. So, you know right away. Yeah, exactly. You know he's got the excuses ready to go. But by the time we got to, what, 12? He was uh-huh. whinier than my nine-year-old? He was like he was like a little kid. He would come up to the green and he would he wouldn't even look at his putt and he'd drill it like a mile back. And but he had his natural posture was like pouty. I think he's pouted so much he's actually put that posture on himself. It's kind of like Eeyore off Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> yeah. and that's a shot of Winnie the Pooh that I kind of feel bad about. But hey, it was a good day. It was fun. Oh, great day! It was super hot. But uh, so I, as a comic, I always think of like other jobs I would want. There's and there's like obviously you, a guy wants to play in the NHL. And that, that's a no-go. And it, your job I can never do because that's too much play-by-play, so much work. But one of the greatest jobs there's got to be has got to be a play-by-play guy to watch all that hockey. So when did you know that you wanted to get into play-by-play? I would probably say that I really got the bug when I was in high school in Humboldt. And, you know, maybe even just a tiny bit before that, I went to elementary school in Regina. And Peter Lubardius was the voice of the Regina Pats on radio. Oh, yeah. He works now for the Flames. And he was kind enough to take me up into the booth to watch some Pats games when I was kind of thinking, yeah, this might be something. And then my family moved to Humboldt. So when the Pats would play in either Saskatoon or PA, and it worked out well during, uh, during the winter, just based on what my parents were doing, if we could drive into the game or whatever – he was kind enough to have me sit up in the booth. And then when I was in high school, that's when I really kind of got the bug that, hey, this is what I want to do. And went to the Western Academy of Broadcasting in Saskatoon. And he's the guy that really first got me involved, let me see what it was like behind the scenes. And uh, as they say, kind of the rest is history. So do you, do you and Peter stay in pretty oh, yeah. close touch? Yeah, yeah. And as most recently as, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago when the Jets and Flames were in that uh, play-in series, we pretty much talk before every game, just kind of comparing stories with the teams. And that, that's the great thing. And it's the same as the Western League. It's the same as the SJHL. I tell people all the time that the biggest difference to the NHL now is you travel on charter planes, you stay in really, really nice hotels, and the players are making gazillions of dollars. <laughs> like Other than that, it's honestly the same for me as what it was whether i was in melford doing mustang or bronco or hawk games or whether i was riding the bus in pa with the raiders it's kind of all the same thing you you go up to the broadcast booth you get ready for the game and then you call hockey and obviously just uh, over the years i've had a chance to watch the players get a lot better and a lot richer <laughs> so that there you go you you go in straight from high school you go into the broadcasting school and then yeah. how do you land your first job So out of the Western Academy in Saskatoon, I went to North Battleford, did my internship there for, it was like four or five months. It was right at the end of the hockey season. So I got to go there and Russell Lestrick was the voice of the North Battleford North Stars. Todd McClellan was the head coach. Oh yeah. Um, Dimitri Terebrin was there. Travis Clayton. Those were kind of the stars of the team. Kendall Sidorik was the goalie. I remember Kendall Sidorik. I yeah. remember Clayton. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, your buddy, Joey Tedarenko, was playing AAA hockey Oh, at yeah, point. yeah. So for me, it was great. Like, I got a chance to hang out in small-town Saskatchewan. I volunteered to do the Saturday morning sports between 6 a.m. and noon just to get experience. Yeah, it's it's a grind at the beginning. There's a, yeah. there's a volunteer part, maybe the... Yeah. Uh, yeah, And I guess the, I look back at it now, I say I volunteered to do that while I was doing my internship, so I wasn't getting paid anything anyway, but I volunteered to get up early enough <laughs> to do the extra stuff in that regard. 
And then uh, after North Battleford, literally just sent out some of those demo tapes of the sportscast that I was doing to pretty much every small Western Canadian radio station there was and just got a random call from Duncan, B.C. on Vancouver Island and they said, hey, we'll give you 1200 bucks a month if you want to come out here. And I was packed in about three minutes. Oh, wow. So me and my mom jumped in our Dodge Shadow and uh, made the trip out to the West Coast. I was there for 15 months and then got a chance to come back closer to home and, and go to Melfort. So, uh, yeah, just kind of jumped in full feet and, and away we went. So you were doing, in Duncan, were you doing play-by-play for a junior hockey team there? Yeah, so it was a news and sports gig, and they were kind of on the fence about doing hockey. And I think I literally just bugged the GM long enough because I went there in June, so I was doing news and sports at the radio station July, August, September, and hung out around the team all the time and finally just said, hey, like even let me do the home games. Like, you don't have to pay for any road travel, no nothing. And again, I think I literally just wore him down enough that he's finally, okay, go. And then he said, okay, just do them all if we're going to do them. So they got the sponsorship because they had never done the team. And, like, this was in 1994. So radio is obviously the only way games are getting out. There's no internet. There's no cell phones at this point. Oh, yeah. Right? So prime time for radio. Oh, yeah. So that's the way the game got out. So, yeah, I got lucky enough that they finally just said, okay, if you're going to, again, not really volunteer your time, but if you're willing to go on these bus trips and if you can convince the Capitals to let you go, you know, we'll look after some expenses. They have to do some too. And obviously, again, the time that I hung around the team, they knew that I wanted to be a part of it and said, yeah, you know, you want a room with the trainer, you can do it. And that's the way it is in junior. Like, I think of all the years that me and Puff spent together in, in PA. Oh, yeah. You know, he was my roommate all the way through. So it's usually the radio guy, the bus driver, and the trainer <laughs> are all kind of thrown into a hotel room and away you go. But, uh, yeah, that was that was my start. That's a be- that's like that transition is almost in a, a lot of things like stand up like at the beginning now you, at the beginning when you're not a headliner it's you the MC and all this and you're and you're keeping the cost low and you're uh-huh. staying at a, a thing together and then the game doesn't really change but then you what it is it's the pays better and you get better hotels and they kind of like that it is and boy have you done a terrific job here at the Viscount Court in Winnipeg. Like- <laughs> Hey, I've, oh, this is this is gold as compared to where I've stayed, man. Uh, yeah. I've stayed in a lot of sleazy bars above uh, above the room, and you'd have to wait for ACDC to shut off the jukebox at about 3 a.m. But you think of all the small places you've been, and that's where the best stories come from. Absolutely. Some of your best meals. Like, I think about my time now doing SJHL games. It was roast beef and gravy in Melville. <laughs> At, I think it was the PWN or PWI or something along those lines. But that was like the meal when you were going south. Again, if I was in, if I was on the bus with Melford, Nippo, and Humboldt, whoever it was, when you were going to Melville and Estevan, the Tower Cafe, Sarah Gellis. Oh, I'm always at the Beef Eater. I'm messing. I'm screwing oh, up then. Up, dude. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good stuff. So those were, those were kind of the two highlights on the road for my time in the SJHL that uh, just jump into mind here and – Boy, I haven't thought of those places in 20 years. Oh, because the damn smokehouse wasn't in Nip one yet, was it? No. Okay, because I think that's a newer one that's supposed to be just incredible. So when you call no, your... Nip one was Lee's Chicken. <laughs> yeah, okay, I think I remember that. Right from, by the uh, rink, and now it's a that, funeral home. Oh. That was kind of convenient. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Too much chicken skin. Now yeah. let's move it into there. So when you call your first game, like, because I, uh, I compare it to almost like stand-up too. You get on the first time, like, oh, okay, when, like how nervous and the speed of the game and then the other part is the names is there because that that i get stressed out thinking about your job you know what i think from my standpoint and i have lots of young people just like i did you know i mentioned pete earlier on a number of guys that we can talk about here over the next little bit that have helped me along the way but i tell the younger people now i truly think this is a job that either you can or you can't do like i don't I guess if you did enough reps and you weren't very good at it, you might get better at some point. But I truly believe that some people are gifted to do it. And I'll be honest with you. If I wasn't doing this right now, I have no clue (laughs) what else I would be doing in the real world. And I fully admit I don't live in the real world doing the job that I do right now. So, uh, 
Yeah, you, and and it literally is as much practice and preparation you can do. And so I go to BC and convince them to do the 62 games or whatever the BCHL schedule was. And then after doing that for just a year, I'd kept in contact with the guys in Melfort. Neil Shuchuk was the sports director there at that point. Mike Newmeyer was doing the games. He used to be the voice of the Raiders, a few guys before me. Until he gets in a few tilts at the Sunnyside Bar. Yeah, that didn't go well. <laughs> Wrong choice. But uh, other than that, like, so I stayed in touch with Shuey all the way through, and then when Numi got the job with PA, it was more or less, hey, do you want to come home? And boom, absolutely, I'm coming back. And I couldn't have had a better start because 95-96 was the first year in Melfort, and they hosted the RBC Cup. Malfer was the host team. Oh, yeah. Ryan Holmstall was a big star on that Homer team. Homer was there. Trevor Blevins. They brought in Willie Mitchell. Actually, we just did a Zoom reunion call during COVID here. Kevin Dickey and Leonard Strandberg was the GM. Uh, Dix was the coach. They kind of threw out the idea. And then between the three of us, we got a hold, I think, of about 95% of the guys. Wow. Uh, Valery Ermolov was the big Russian star. He was the only guy we couldn't find. Wow. So we don't know if he's back in Russia or where he is, but uh, Scott Fankhauser was the goalie, Curtis Dole, uh, Travis Stevenson was the captain, Jason Duda was brought in from mm -hmm. the Saskatoon Blades. I think he scored 60 that year. Wow. St that team is all stacked. It up. was a Western League team. Like, I truly believe that team could have went head-to-head -head with any WHL club that they would have played. They were that good. They were big. They were mean. And they could obviously put up some uh, some pretty good points. So with them hosting and then doing some midget AAA games with the Tisdale Trojans, uh, doing some Saskatoon Hilltops football that we got involved with that year too, I did 144 games my Just first year. 144 games. Yeah, like, so Neil Shuchuk and I did a lot of them together. I did probably the majority on my own, but... The way it was, so we did Melfort, Nippo, and Humboldt. We did the three teams. It's different now because Humboldt's got its own radio station. Nippo's got its own radio station. So they've kind of split. So Matt Barrett, who does the Mustang games now, is just the voice of the Mustangs and obviously goes in to do those other games when Melfort plays there. But for me and for a lot of guys that followed after me, like um, there was no better place to start. Because it's one of those things. It's like oh. And make mistakes. Yeah, there you go. You're working nonstop, so you're going to become. It's like you're going through a nonstop working. You're getting so sharp. It's, yeah. You're you're training like Rocky. You're just going 100%. nonstop, and then yeah. you're only getting better when you. It's like anything. You're not going to be good until you do it ten thousand times. And now you're you're doing twice as much work or three times as much work as other guys. That's crazy. Well, you are, and you know, I I kind of vaguely remember. Like I remember my first trip, like it was yesterday. I got on the bus with Melfort and we were going to Flin Flon and Kevin Dickey and Leonard Strandberg still tell the story. They, uh, Dick's got on the bus. And so the head coach sits on the right side of the bus at front. Then it's the assistant coach GMs on the other side and then kind of goes back and then your radio guys there. So as Dix likes to say, he goes, I look back, there's this guy that's five foot nine, 130 pounds. And he's like, God, I hope that's our new goalie. <laughs> because if I'm anything else, it's not going to be good. And he wasn't even thinking radio guy at that point. So, um, yeah, you know what? Lots of fun stories. And, again, my, my first game was in Flin Flon. So you're going up to the Whitney Forum, and they're throwing elk legs and all that stuff on the ice. And uh, big buff, uh, Bill Reed was our trainer at that point. He was just a monster of a oh, man yeah. with the biggest heart in the world. And, um I remember just, you know, kind of hanging out with him thinking, oh, my God, what did I get myself into here? Because I'm used to being around Humboldt, Malfour, where the beautiful rinks are and all that kind of stuff. And then you go up there and you're like, oh, this, this is this, Flin Flon. This is yeah. why people get the Flin Flon flu right there. A hundred percent. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then obviously the same thing with, uh, with Nippon and, and Humboldt as well. So you said, okay, you did AAA games in 95 at, at Tisdale. Did you do the... The bench brawl of Tisdale and Prince Albert. I was in a bench brawl. I've in seen the video, but I don't <laughs> want to hurt your feelings, but I can't remember if I actually did that. You know, we only probably did maybe 10 to 12 games, 
during the season and okay. then kind of caught in the intermittent playoffs because the SJHL was was the prime ticket there. Okay. And then on off nights, he kind of filled some in. So, yeah, literally I was doing games four or five nights a week sometimes with depending how the schedule worked and how the bus travel was and jumping from one team to the other. But, again, you would never, ever have a better opportunity to get your foot in the door than than you did at CJVR there. It was unreal. Was there uh, was there some games where you just like your adrenaline, and is there some games like in anything stand up too? Like you're just you kind of drag your ass to the rink, like oh man, am I tired tonight? But you ha- but you you can't do that because you're doing play by play. So as soon as as soon as it starts, do you find that adrenaline? Yeah, I think you do. But I think the other side of it as well is that's what you're kind of learning, right? You're learning that okay, you can sleep all the way to the rink on the bus, which. I profess I am a professional sleeper. I can sleep anywhere. <laughs> so, and the guys in PA that will be listening to this will be giggling right now because it was a race between me and Puff, who'd be asleep <laughs> first on the bus. We'd be leaving the Commutoplex or the Art Hauser Center now, and if we're going to Saskatoon, I'm almost snoring by the time I hit the casino. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was fun times. But, yeah, I, I think that's all part of getting better and kind of learning what you have to do. And, and then the other part of it, too, when you're the voice of three teams, when two of them are playing against each other, you're hearing from the Melford people that you're cheering from Nippon, and the Nippon people think you're cheering for Melford. Oh, you're a homer. Oh, they don't know. Oh, yeah. oh, Absolutely. Geez. So just managing those things even before the game. And, like, the best part was when they'd play back-to-backs. And you'll remember a guy by the name of Kelvin Crow. Oh, 700 penalty minutes. 723, I believe he had. And he and Willie Mitchell got in a fight in Nippon. And before the fight, it was, they were battling back and forth. This would have been my second year because Dick's coached year one and then Mark Habscheid came in yep. to year two when, when Kevin moved on. And uh, Habby and Bruce Thompson, who was the coach for all five years that I was in Nippon, they didn't really get along. So uh, they were beaking each other. Eventually, I can't remember who was refereeing that game. They kick out the coaches. And then Willie and, uh, and Calvin had this epic fight. And Mitchell won. So Mitchell's going off the ice, doing the belt, and he's on one skate and all that stuff. And I'm fired up. And if you've been to the rink in Nippon, the broadcast oh, yeah. booth is right in the corner. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I know, exa- I know exactly yeah, what you're, you're talking. You're 40 feet from the stands, and it's – Awesome seating all the way down. It's old school hockey. It's the same rink it is right now. So there's me in my second year, and I'm losing my marbles on the air. Like just, I think I'm calling Muhammad Ali's boxing <laughs> fight. Like I'm, I'm yelling. And hey, I've learned now, and you do. I think as you get older and you're around the game more, that every fight isn't the heavyweight championship of the world. That one was. Yeah. And I was going nuts, and it was a death stare. So I happened to look out to my left, and there's. Four or five hundred Nippon fans just giving me the evil stink eye. So uh, yeah, you know what? It's learning how to manage all that kind of stuff, but just some of the great memories that again you don't really think of until you do something like this, and then they just start flowing into your mind. And last year, Nippon held the SJHL Hall of Fame and got a chance to go back there for the first time in probably. 10, 15 years. Love going back to play the Evergreen Golf Course. Yep. First but, time this year. I yeah. Oh, great my, track. My second favorite golf course in Saskatchewan behind Waska Sioux. Yeah. No yeah. question. I, I, you know what? I bet you there's a lot of people that go those two as one, two. I know Riverside's great and uh, yeah. Saskatoon. You get Deer Valley down in Lumsden and, well, PA's got Cook. There's, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah that's, but uh, so Bill Chow, the president of the league, called and said, hey, let's, you know, because. We did it in Melford in 2014. That's when I was fortunate enough to go in with a bunch of guys. Um, and then they've kind of continued it on each year. Nippon had never hosted this. So Bill and I got talking about it. I said, hey, you know, let's, let's do it. If, if the Hawks want to do it, there's enough people that have gone through that organization that have either gone to the NHL or have done a number of, you know, not outstanding things. And you think of guys like Greg Clausen and Mark Smith and uh, – Corey Osmack, who's one of the equipment managers now at the Calgary Flames. So there's a whole slew of people there. And again, I hadn't been back for, for probably a decade to get to see everybody. I've snuck in, played golf, and got out of town right away. But uh, <laughs> boy, it was it was one of the best three-day ventures that I've had in a long time. 
Nippon's a uh, one of the greatest places. I think if I I could retire going out to PA because you get that golf course and all that fishing up there, a great track. Oh yeah, Golden Lake. But we were talking. You're just saying Calvin Crow. Do you? I don't know if you called this game. Did you call the game where Calvin Crow fought Robbie Boyson? Oh, again, I maybe okay. when he was in Kindersley. Yeah, because yeah. I remember he tells the story. Because then we had Scott Reed, another guy from Prince Albert. He yep. played on Nippon, and then uh, he I comes Robbie's in. Number fifteen, I think. Oh, he might be. He's the. Twelve I think or the, fifteen, something like that. He he might have been twelve. He was always twelve growing up. And then he might. I don't know what he was okay. there. But uh, so he he's Here's by Reed, and Reed goes because Reed love uh, or Robbie Boyson loved fighting, and Reed goes, whatever you do, don't fight Calvin Crow. Yeah, because Rob's five seven. Next thing you know, he said next shift, Rob's fighting Calvin Crow, and he gave uh, he gave Calvin Crow a big huge shiner, or at least nice. that's what Rob told. Probably yeah. a lie. Well, Probably a lie. I, I think absolutely he did. No question. No question at all. <laughs> so then you go from uh, what, what's uh, what's the difference? Well, besides knocking off 144 games, what's uh, when <laughs> your you, schedule's in half? Yeah, when you come to Prince Albert, like that must have just been like, oh man, here we go. This is exciting. So when I got the job to come to PA, I thought I made the NHL. Like that was when I was doing the games in the SJ. I'd get in to PA as often as I could. And again, Mike Newmeyer was great enough to come let me up into the booth, kind of watch what he's doing and the other Western League guys. And you, know, you continue to want to climb those steps. And I'll never forget, and because you and I just played golf here a couple of days ago, I was, it was a Friday, was it a Friday afternoon? I think it was. It was a Thursday or a Friday, and it was late in the week. And I had a late tea time in Melfort with the GM that hired me, Gary Fitz, who lives up in Elkridge right now, one of the greatest human beings ever. And so I worked for him for five years. Him and I are going to go play golf. And for some reason, I stopped into the radio station on my way to the golf course, and the phone rings. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to ask this. Like, okay, I better. So I pick up the phone. I'm just, hello? Like, no CJVR sports, no being <laughs> polite, no nothing. And Jim Scarrell is the oh, GM yeah. of CKBI. And he's like, hello? I'm like, Hi. It's like, is this CJVR? I'm looking for Brian Munns. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Like, I'm like, I'm going to the golf course here. I have no idea who this is. Yeah. It's like uh, Jim Scarrell calling CKBI Radio. I was like, oh, hey, how are you? He's like, uh, I need to talk to you. Okay. Uh, sure. Like, And again, I'm young, have a gut feeling this could hopefully be the call I've been waiting for yeah. a while. But I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that. They were making any changes or anything. And Mitch Peacock was in between me and Mike Newmeyer as well. And uh, Mitch got the radio host job with the Calgary Flames. So he's uh, like, I need to talk to you. I'm like, okay. He's like, can you come to Prince Albert tonight? I'm like, no, I can't. He's like, I think you should. <laughs> I'm like. And you're, I got a tea time. <laughs> I got a tea time with my current GM. I can't. Okay, be here by 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. All right. So I go play golf with Gary, and then, of course, you think, okay, well, this is obviously a chance. I don't know if I'm getting the job or not, but this is what I've been waiting for for five years. And then, uh, yeah, so play the golf with, uh, with Gary and Melford. Go straight over to Neil Shuchuk's house right after I'm done playing golf. I'm like, Jim Scarrow just called. I think I'm going to PA, and right away, he's like, well, yeah, you're going. Like, why would he call you if yeah. – and why would this not play out like it has – so, yeah, drove into uh, PA, offered me the job. I said I needed till noon or whatever to talk to the guys because, like, three days before, Swift Curran had called. Oh. And the Broncos needed a guy because Regan Bartell left to go to Kelowna, which he's still the voice of the Rockets right now. So I wait five years, and I have two opportunities in the Western <laughs> League. When she rains, she pours. Yeah, so I could go to Swift or I could go to PA. Oh, boy, did you make the right choice. I think so, too. <laughs> One of my best friends that played in Melford, actually, Kevin Lashers, lived in Swift and thought, ah, oh, it might be kind of cool and the whole Joe Sackick thing and all that. But Mike Medano was my guy from day one as, uh, as a young guy. And then obviously just being close to PA, it was close to home. You know, we spent the summers up in Waska Sioux all the time, listened to CKBI. And I'm like, okay, like, this is my dream job. How can I not? take it so i knew as soon as jim said would you like and didn't even have to say the job that i was going to take it and uh spent five unreal years there so it was it was a blast wow what are some of uh your greatest memories of the sj and whls or some any road trips any certain guys that stand out uh, any, any pranks or anything like that 
Oh. That's so the- I'm going to pull I'm going to pull the I will not admit to anything line until I'm off the air like oh, like yeah. a lot smart, of guys are doing. Smart. But you know a couple <laughs> stories that stand out. I remember obviously one of my first few years in Nippon, Antonio Aquino was our tough guy and he got into this big brawl against the North Stars. I think it was Jason Day that he fought or some somebody in Battleford anyway. And it ended up going underneath the stands. Oh. And by the end of the whole thing, the police came, pepper sprayed the whole area. Um, it was a got Both benches kind of went barreling down the hallway and behind the room. I don't think too much happened other than the kind of altercation between Tony and whoever the North Battleford guy was. But I remember getting on the bus and looking at the coaching staff and saying, wow, like, this is unreal. Like, yeah, we got to go get Tony out of jail. So they took him right from <laughs> right from the rink. It's like slap shot. Like they had him in jail. So we had to go to the, the RCMP detachment in North Battleford and wait for an hour before we went to North, uh, Kindersley for a two-game trip. But you know what? Other than that, like for me, and you can attest to this with kind of the comedy side, it's just the people you hang out with. For sure. Like some of the guys still that were on either Malford, Nipwood, or Humboldt are still some of my best friends today. And you have the same relationship that you had when you were, you know, I was 20 years old when I was doing those games. So I was the same age as the players. So it was fantastic. Like, oh, that's crazy. And I had the best of both worlds because I'd hang out with the players. And then I'd also hang out with some of the coaches, right? Like they're younger. Like that was Mark Habscheid's first ever coaching job. So he's telling me about playing in Minnesota with the North Stars, with the Red Wings, what it's like to play with Steve Eiserman. Obviously, he was around Gretzky and some of the great Oiler teams. So I was just, I got to ping pong back and forth. Now it's a little different. You're older and, you know, you, it's obviously bigger. You hang out with more of your broadcast crew and the coaches and maybe you might cross a little bit with some of the players, play golf with some of the guys. But, uh, yeah, I, I was lucky to, to be as young and, uh, and have the people around that I did. Yeah, it sounds like uh, just a, a not even a job, just a, a dream the whole time. Like, you're not. It feels like you're not working a day if you're doing something you love. Like just there's no question. The best man. Yeah, no, it really was. And then again, like I, I think of all the people around the Raiders organization for the four some years that I was there, uh, four and a bit because the fifth year I did like the first month or so, and then that was the lockout year in oh four oh five oh yeah. No, oh five oh six. It's the year, the lockout, the NHL lockout. Yeah, I get married that year, whatever year that is. Oh five, oh five, yeah, yeah, yeah because the next year, yeah. So it was oh four oh five. I did like the first month and a half, and then Edmonton moved their AHL team into Edmonton because they knew the NHL wasn't going to play that year, and I took a gamble, no question about it, because I knew it was going to be a one or a two year thing, but. I was like, okay, I've been in PA for four years. You know, when are you going to get a chance to just get your foot in the door? And mm-hmm. I thought if, if it doesn't work out, I'd go back to the Western League, and I still say the same thing right now. If something happened with the NHL gig, I'd go back to the WHL in a heartbeat and be the happiest guy in the world. Uh, so, yeah, I took a chance on it, and uh, I did the West Coast. We started the year. Raiders do the West Coast trip like three weeks into the season or whatever it was and called my last Raider game in Kelowna, and said goodbye to the guys on the bus and I jumped on a plane, flew to Edmonton and opened up the AHL season like two days later. So how did you get the AHL call? Who called you for that? I literally just randomly threw my uh, resume in. Oh, okay. And um, I think it helped a little bit that some of the, I don't think he ever would admit it now, but I'm sure somebody from Edmonton probably got a hold of Dave Manson. Oh yeah. there, There had to have been some connection there because just random guys or, I don't know, maybe I fooled enough people along the way. They thought I could do a good enough job, and they said, hey, uh, come. It's the, it's the hockey world. The hockey world takes care of each other like well, that. Well, it so does. Yeah. If you're a good guy, being a good guy in the hockey world, I swear, goes a long, long way. Yeah, so, again, like, and that was the hardest decision. Like, I remember the morning we left on that West Coast trip, I was bawling like a baby at the radio station because I did the morning sports. We were leaving, and they, they did a little goodbye thing at the front desk and uh it was it was tough like it was it was crazy to 
think of all the friends you have at the radio station. And again, we're all younger, right? No one's got family. No one's got kids. So if I wasn't with the Raiders, I was with the, the radio station staff. Yeah. And, like, that's your family. That's who you live with, like, 24-7. So, uh, yeah, so many, so many great memories. So you go to Edmonton, and then when is the, when is the switch over to come to Winnipeg? So I did the one year with the Roadrunners. And then the next year, obviously, the NHL came back, the 05-06 year. So I've got my years finally straight here now. Um, so I didn't really know what was going to happen. And their pregame and postgame host decided that he had done it for 10 or 11 years and was getting more into the programming side and actually just announced his retirement this week from, from radio and Chad Sid Smith. So, again, it was one of those things, okay, well – You've got Rod Phillips and Morley Scott, who have been the voices of Oiler hockey forever and were legends in that city. Uh, do you want to do the pre and post with these guys? So I knew I wasn't doing play-by-play, -play, but I'm like, okay, here's a chance. You're in the NHL. I liked being around the Oilers. Uh, the lockout year, the coaching staff, like Craig McTavish, Charlie Huddy, Craig Simpson was there at that point. Kevin Lowe was the GM. Uh the off-ice, behind-the-scenes guys, uh, you know, Stu McDonald was the guy that hired me. They were all around the AHL team all the time. And when it was the lockout, there was no pressure. So they're just hanging out watching hockey. So I got to know those guys really well. And so I just thought, you know what, it, it's a no-brainer. Like, stay, mm -hmm. see what this pre-post thing is like. And then I win the lottery because they go to the Stanley Cup final that year. Oh, right? nice. So they have a year where they're a pretty good team, and then they decide – in the summer going into that year to add Chris Pronger and Michael Pekka. Brian Burke says, if, I, if you get Chris Pronger, you know I'm punching your ticket to the Stadley Cup. Is exactly, what I'm yeah. Dwayne Rollison's in net. They add him through the year. Uh, they weren't exactly locked in with Ty Conklin and UC Markkinen. I remember the year very well. Eventually had to go with because Rolly got hurt. Got hurt. Oh. So, uh, so yeah, like, welcome to the NHL. So, again, it, it was great because – so Morley and I more or less co-hosted the pregame show together. So to learn from a guy like that and then just be around Rod Phillips, the legend, who had been the voice of the team forever, um, you know, I took a lot from those guys. And then uh, it really was uh, a PA tie to, uh, to come into Winnipeg. So it's about February or March of that year. And I got a call just randomly out of the blue that Kelly Moore was leaving here in Winnipeg doing moose hockey at the time to go to Kamloops because he was going back home, I think, to be closer to his family. And Terry Simpson was mm -hmm. best friends with Vic Grant, who was the program director at CJOB Radio. So I, I know for a fact that Simpson said, hey, I've, I've got a guy for you that might want to come and to uh, jump into play-by-play -play in the American League full-time after getting my taste of it the year before with the Roadrunners uh, was, you know, a really easy decision. And then I'm not going to lie, in the back of my mind, I thought, hey, you know, what if 10 years down the road the Jets come back? Like, probably have a decent chance unless I screw oh, yeah. this thing up. I don't know. I, I, my, I yeah. was out in left field not even thinking the Jets. I was just thinking the Jets. Yeah, because they're not even here then. No, yeah. no. Like, I did uh, six... Six years of moose hockey before the NHL came back. So, like, this is year 15 now, and that's it's hard to believe. We're through 15 years of hockey for me in the city. It's the longest I've been anywhere. We had nine with the Jets just finished up here a few weeks ago and, and six with the moose before that. Okay, So, so yeah, so I, I owe Terry Simpson a lot right now. Oh, wow. So going back to that, too, so – when you're a year with uh, Edmonton doing the pre and post, so you this, you see the Stanley Cup go that year. Yeah, I was on the ice in Carolina when the wrong team got it. Oh, like that's my bucket list. I but it's so hard to chase. I said I got to see a Stanley Cup, but it almost has to be a Game Seven because I had the I had my tickets. Uh, I had tickets I was going to buy. I had a flight lined up when it was San Jose Pittsburgh. It, but but uh, Pittsburgh ended up winning like game six. I was like, yeah, I'll yeah. do it. Because if, say, your team doesn't win in five, it's like, now you got to fly to game six, now you got to fly to game six. I was like, I, I would sell my, I'll lose my house trying to watch the cup go. And you get to see the cup go like that. Yeah. Wrong it, team, though, is right. Wrong oh. team. And every time we still go to Raleigh, they've got a big picture of the Hurricanes on the ice around, you know, everybody circles the Stanley Cup. 
Uh, they've got that right outside the, the visitor's broadcast booth and inside the Rankin Raleigh. But, yeah, really, you know, from going into the year, not having any idea of what that would be like, just the NHL season, Yeah. let alone for them to clinch on the second final day of the year. Oh. They're the eight seed going against Detroit in mm-hmm. round one, knock off the Red Wings in the opening round, and I rolled the dice. I went to the PR guy for the Red Wings and said, hey, can I get Steve Eiserman for the walk-off interview? Like, just the quick two, three-question thing at the end of the game. And Steve was nice enough to do it. That was his last game ever. After he lost out. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. So you so get Steve Eiserman cool. on his last game. Yeah. So I was the first guy to talk to Steve Eiserman after he played his last game. I, I've still got that on cassette. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, then they beat San Jose. And then they win the Western Conference Championship in Anaheim. And I remember I was just giddy. Like, that was the coolest thing in the world because we're going to the Stanley Cup final. And by then, I was traveling, too. Like, you do the pre and post all season long from studio, and then the Oilers and the radio station kind of got together and said, okay, we're going to expand our coverage. You get on the road. So this was my first chance. Got to travel on the charter plane, see what that was all about. and Hauling really- your golf clubs? Uh, no, no. You don't bring the golf clubs on the flight. <laughs> okay. You, you get those for free later on. Oh, right on. Yeah. So then when is the call to uh, for the Jets? Uh, August 15th, 2011. <laughs> okay. How quick there is that? There you go, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they announced the team is coming back May 31st, and I'm still at the other radio station at CJOB, and we think all the way through that, we're getting the radio rights because at that point, TSN radio wasn't even in Winnipeg. It was just a sports station that had an afternoon radio show that was really good, but that was all they had. Yeah. That was all they had. So we're thinking it's a no brainer. Like we're doing the games. Uh, I get pulled into the office at CJOB one day and I think it was June or July. I don't even remember when it was. And the GM just said, Hey, you know, we're going into summer. You're our guy. Like, when we get the rights, don't worry. You're going to hear a lot of names. There's going to be national guys that are all going to apply for this. You've been our guy. You'll be the voice of the Jets on radio. Just there you go. Like, I'm perfect. <laughs> so then, but then, so I go away. We go with my, uh, my wife and, and my newborn son, who is literally three, four months old at the time. We go back to Edmonton. I get a phone call, and this other radio station, which is now – TSN 1290 that I work for, they get the rights. Bell Media gets the rights, radio, TV. So I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what's going to happen? So you get the pit in your stomach thinking, okay, I've just lost my dream and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then, man, what a roller coaster. Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then so I call the radio station here. I talked to Chris Brook, who was a program director at the time. He's like, yeah. We're, we're interested. I'm like, hey, I'll fly home tomorrow if you want to meet. Like, or I'll drive back, whatever. He's like, just relax. Stay with your family. We've talked to the Jets. Kind of like the whole uh, Melford to PA scenario. Like, you're our guy, but I can't tell you you're our guy. Uh, so stayed in Edmonton for another three or four days. Kind of finished off the holiday. Don't remember pretty much anything of what that was like because <laughs> I didn't really care. I just wanted to get back to Winnipeg. Um, and then, yeah, August, uh, August 15th, I got a phone call that morning from, uh, from Chris, as I mentioned, he said, uh, can we meet at Starbucks and talk about a contract? And I'm like, absolutely. And, uh, signed the deal, signed oh. the deal that morning. And then, uh, later on that night found out that Rick Rippon passed away. So it oh. was kind of the, the greatest day and, and a real sad day all in one. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that was that's terrible. That one. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, it was a roller coaster of emotions to to say the least. But uh, that was the dream call that uh, you've been waiting for your entire life all the way through, and then to uh, have it. And then after that, they obviously announced the name, and you get the head coach, and the players start coming in, and yeah, it was it was amazing leading up to game one against Montreal for sure. Kid in a candy store. Yeah. Yeah, we're sure. getting close we, uh, to wrapping up, but I want to get a few more. What's your favorite rank to go into? Uh, fav- well, so we can split this two ways. Favorite road trip uh, is kind of Nashville, Dallas for me. If you're living in Winnipeg in the wintertime, anywhere you can go warm is good. 
So throw Arizona, Tampa, Florida into any of those. But uh, I'm a country music guy. Oh, yeah. I, I love going on to that strip, like into Tootsie's and Honky mm-hmm. Tonk and all that kind of stuff uh, the night before just to kind of get a vibe of, of what it's like. And Bridgestone Arena is just fantastic. Not the greatest game to call or place to call the game from. Uh, the best places to call the games from are honestly the, the obvious. Like Boston's fantastic. Montreal, you can't beat those two. Like your broadcast location is right at center ice. The atmosphere in the building is through the roof, like just like you see on TV. Uh, They've done a lot of renovations inside Madison Square Garden in New York. So that's great once you battle through the people trying to get into MSG. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You know, those are probably the best, and and I'll just throw it in for you because I'm sure you're going to ask it. The worst is... uh, Edmonton by far, the in the new rink. In the new rink, yeah, and because uh, is it too high up or yeah, what's the... and Trevor Redden will tell you he calls the the Raider Ice King, or Oil King games from the same place we do, and like I always say, welcome back to Red Deer, like where it feels like you're that far away. Oh, really? From the ice, so so Edmonton's is the worst broadcast location. Pittsburgh's a long way too, but anytime you go there, Sidney Crosby seems to do something that makes you love being in that building i've seen him play five times he's been the first star every time i saw him uh when he was 18 his first game in edmonton and they said the warm-ups at the pittsburgh end were so nuts and they said they haven't seen it like when gretzky was even coming back in la yeah it was nuts and then he took over in the third period and he fired out three assists like he was just circling he ran the boards he was an absolute beast one of my favorite players to watch yeah so i've done this for nine years now and bar none Hands down, not even a competition. Sidney Crosby is the greatest human in the NHL. Oh, I'm like, a huge. That's my guy, and I'm an Oiler guy, so I, I should like McDavid more. Yeah, but I ju- I love Sidney yeah, Crosby. and and why I say that, and and this is obviously just a personal standpoint of of the job that we do. But for those that are listening to this, you'll see him do countless interviews on television, radio, newspaper. He's all over. He just sits, he does them, he's genuinely engaged in the conversation all the way through. And again, like um, the first two years we were in the Southeast Division, so we played in the East more than we do now. We only see them twice a year. And he probably knows too that Canada's coming in, so there's going to be a little bit more request for his time. But I have never, and I've probably talked to him, well, I talk to him every time we play, every time the Jets and Penguins play. That's exciting. Because Winnipeg wants oh. to hear from Crosby. Yeah, for sure. But have never have I had the, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, let, let's do it. Okay, can we do this quick? I got to go, whatever. Like sits and talks and, and again, with the Bronco tournament that, uh, that Jared and I do in Humble, <coughs> pardon me, since the crash, you know, he knew we did that and sits and talks for, for five minutes on that. So, uh, yeah, just he gets it. Like, yeah. He knows that he is the face of the NHL. Stamkos is there, McDavid's there, Nathan McKinnon, you know, I think is probably the next best player in the league right now. He 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 reminds me of like a hybrid of because uh, he's got the Connor McDavid, McDavid speed and he's he's yeah. such a beast and so strong like Crosby. Yeah. He's insane. Yeah, no, he he really is. So I know Sid gets the bad rap sometimes of kind of some of the whining on the ice and that kind of thing. But uh for me he is He's the real deal. When when the Jets and Penguins are on the calendar, I always get excited about those because, uh, again, through nine years, he has never disappointed both on and off the ice. Okay, that's great. So, and then they, I know you're still working, so you can't say names. Or is there some interviews you're just like, oh, like they got John Tortorella or something like that, where you're like, oh, man, I got to go interview this. I almost, when I was in uh, Columbus, yeah, I was doing a thing for Hartnell, his right. foundation. And then after me and Jody Shelley were sitting down there, he does the he's yep. the color for color Columbus guy, yep. in between the yep. in between the sheets. And Tortorella came there, and so I'm sitting with Shelley, and they're going to do the thing. And he's like, "Come in and ask him some questions." And I was like, "Oh, I should." My phone was dead. I was like, "I'd record it." Like, "Hey, this is Kelly Taylor with the Prince Albert Daily Herald." <laughs> and just do it as a joke. And I was like, oh, "Okay, I will." And then Tortorella came down, and he just walked real fast. Tiny little guy in a sweatsuit. Yes. I looked at Shelly. I said, buddy, I'm not going in that room. I'm, I'm scared of that guy. You weren't getting Brooksied? No, I, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing it. You know what? So I've talked to a few people because uh, Torts was obviously in Vancouver and now in Columbus. So to what you're saying right now is like, what's he like? Like, how is this? <laughs> uh, from, the, 
from the voices of the Canucks and the Blue Jackets, who I both know very well, because we all do the same thing. We end up talking all the time. Um, he's great. Oh, really? Well, the biggest thing with him is if you're not prepared, and you know going in, like he doesn't want to be asked about his lineup. He doesn't want to talk about the other team. That's just the way he is. Like I don't know if you've heard, uh, there's another podcast out there, Ray and Dregs do it too. Okay, yeah. Um, they had him on, and he openly admitted, he says, hey, I'm, I'm not good at that media conference. And he, he gets it. Like, he knows. So the thing when we play Columbus or the Jackets are in town or whatever is you know you go in, if you decide you're going to ask a question or two, have them ready. And then the other part of it too, and here's another PA connection for you, Shane Knighty. Oh, Knight's great guy. Who did the games with me for the first couple of years here in Winnipeg before going down to Vegas. Uh, he knew John, so that connection, I think, helped me a little bit. And then we have a dog, or had a dog until the last year when he passed away. Torts is a huge animal guy. I knew he was, I knew he was a big yeah. animal guy. He says he likes dogs more than people. I like my dog <laughs> a lot more than people, too. Yeah. Um, but I think... I've never had a run-in with him. I've never had that awkward, oh, crap moment kind of thing. Like, I, And now with today's media, you know, all the scrums are being shot, and they're up instantaneously on Twitter, so you don't want to be the guy. So <laughs> scrum lurkers. Be, I've seen you at scrum oh, lurkers yeah. before. <laughs> Jay and Dan do it all the time. <laughs> I think I screenshotted. Did I yeah. send it to you? And I was oh, like, yeah. hey, Budsy, yeah. look, at you made scrum lurkers today. Yeah, no, it's hilarious. But if... <laughs> If you're prepared, and to be honest with you, and this is just my gut, if you're working in whatever league it is, whether it's the NHL, the American League, the WA, or the NHL, if you're not prepared, you shouldn't be there. That's Yeah, that's right. Like, if you're going to go into that media scrum, and whether it's with Habby, with the Raiders, or whoever, if you're going in and you're like, so i got to kill four minutes here on the air, and I have no idea what I'm going to ask you, then why should they waste their time with you? They got a lot of things going on in their day. Yeah. And like you look at all these NHL coaches now, like I would say 40 to 45% of their day is probably media now, especially if you're in a, a hockey market. And that's not disrespecting any of the Southern places, but if you're in a place that is nonstop hockey, say like Winnipeg or any of the Canadian markets or – Chicago, something like that. True Winnipeg fashion. You can hear some yep. cop cars going in behind us right now, too. <laughs> They're coming for you. <laughs> they found you. It's, uh, you know, it's the thing. I, I think, really, whether it's hockey or broadcasting or whatever job, if you're not prepared, you're not going to have success. Gotcha. Munzi, I, uh, I love talking hockey with you because it's just – You've got a job that I just, it's the most envious job. I love it. Do, do you watch that much hockey too? So like, are you in the playoffs right now with this bubble hockey? Are you watching nonstop? No, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I was for the play-in. I was obviously for our round, but when the Jets got eliminated, I kind of took a break for a week. Yeah, that's what a guy needs. Yeah. And then now that we're kind of going and for me now, I cheer for my friends. You know, there, I, there, I'm not saying that I want... Colorado to win all the way, but I want Jared to have a lot of success with the Avalanche. I'm the ex I was the ex I'm the you know? ex I am the exact same way. Like when Hartnell's there, I like, I want this guy yeah, exactly. to win a cup. And then it, even there's even guys that you just I don't know, but you want to see like win yeah. a cup. Like I was like I'd love to like I wanted Pittsburgh to win, and I wanted to see Marlowe win a cup. Like there's just all yeah. these kind of different things, and that's how I cheer. And I want to see exciting games. Like when people I get greedy if there's a team I want to win and they can win it in six, it's like, I'd rather see them win it in seven. Like, I'm just a hockey, I'm greedy that way. Yeah, the only series that I actually really paid attention to last round was Chicago. Jonathan Taves is from here. Jeremy Colleton's obviously their head coach. Mm -hmm. you know, Sheldon Brookbank's on the bench. So I know those guys well. So again, you watch the people that you know because you want to see them lift the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. And you always want the Stanley Cup coming back to Saskatchewan now. It's going to be in October when they're doing the, the tour, which will be a little bit different than July and August. But, uh, hey, I think any time you can have that thing in, uh, in our province is awesome. That's, that's why St. Louis was so great last year to have uh, three guys, Schwartz, Bozak, and uh, Shen. Shen. Yep. I was like, and just that team to be last place in January 3rd to come on to do that. And just the way that team played was so exciting. Wow. And so the Jets and Blues are in the Central Division. All the games last year between Winnipeg and St. Louis 
were played before the calendar turned. So we saw them when they were bad all the way through. And I vividly remember when we left the rink, I was walking out and Darren Pang and Chris Kerber were there, two of their broadcasters. And they were like, okay, well, see you guys next year. We're like, yeah, like <laughs> enjoy the playoffs. They're like, they're, cause they knew Winnipeg had a chance to yeah. make some noise and they were going the wrong way. And then all of a sudden, boom, calendar hits 2020 and they just skyrocket. Jordan Bennington is unbelievable. And, you know, Craig Berube got them all believing in the same thing and they put on just uh, a wonderful run. We never saw them live until playoffs, but uh, it was it was cool. It was oh. really neat to see. Sure was. Okay, I got to get going. I got the uh, you dirty. You got a real job to do. I, I got a, the dirty show at Rumors, but I always have uh, two questions in my podcast. Uh, one is uh, what chaps your ass? What, what, is there, what pisses off Brian Munns? What bugs you? Checking into a hotel and your room key doesn't work. <laughs> oh, this almost goes into my second question. Oh. I, and I've, I've, I've tweeted this before. I said, I, I don't. <laughs> like, you know me. I'm a, I'm a pretty even keel guy. Unless I had a couple bad shots on the golf course. I'm, I'm pretty even keel. But we'll check in, and most of the time it's late because you've landed or flown somewhere yeah. after a game. Oh. And all of a sudden, I come back down, and there's smoke blowing out of my ears. Our whole team's just giggling because oh. they know that's the one thing that drives me up the wall. I almost, I, I've said it before. I said, if this hotel key doesn't work right now, I might shit my pants. So it's, it's scary for me, which actually leads into our second question. Have you ever <laughs> shit your pants and sharks count? No. <laughs> I have not uh, I have not done prior but the other side especially playing golf you know when it's hot yeah you're kind of feeling the <laughs> swass yeah so you can say that really well uh, yeah you kind of get that one going but uh, yeah, somehow those two things kind of tie in together isn't it well that's good because you're the greatest what chaps my ass because I bought this I'm on board of that back because I'm checking into a hotel at time there's nothing worse and there's nothing worse than when you go back down and there's a line up there you're like are you kidding me? I don't want to wait in line for this again. And uh. So the NHL protocol, of course, the unwritten rule is players all go up to their room, then coaches go, and then the broadcasters kind of go with the trainers, kind of tallied up the end. Lots of time players are coming back down to grab a quick beverage or whatever. Uh, so you're kind of crossing the wrong way and you're mad at the world. <laughs> and then the other people in your kind of hotel floor, when they see your key doesn't work, you're like, hey, look after my bag. I'll be right back. Yeah, well, your bag's not there. It's sitting by your door. <laughs> so then you got to try and find your bag for 15 minutes after you get your second key to kind of get in your room. But that's why we all love the game, isn't it? Because you're all still acting like you're 15 years old. There you go, bud. You're living the life of a 15-year-old, living the dream, bud. Thank exactly. you. Thank you so much for doing this. I uh, always love seeing you. Hopefully we get in a few more golf rounds, and I always like coming to Winnipeg and seeing you. Uh, you get me down to the pregame skate and take that all in. We will see you back in PA soon. Okay, bud. Thank you very much. That is Brian Munns with the Winnipeg Jets telling the SJ to the WHL to the NHL. Just a huge beauty. Thank you guys for listening to Tick with a Side of Tets.